Hello everybody, my name is Andy and this is Mike. We're just here at our church in Watford, Soul Survivor, and we've been leading this church together for quite some time. The church has been going for 28 years and we're just going to have a little chat about leadership. Yeah, and the first question I want to ask you, mate, is what would you say are the defining characteristics of Christian leadership? If you wanted to define what a leader is, a Christian leader, what would it be? I think the first thing I'd have to say, and it's an obvious thing to say, but is that starts with a love for God, a love for Jesus, and a desire to follow him. And so, you know, when we think about leadership, actually the place to begin is to think about followership. Who am I following? Um, is, and, and has he called me? And it has to start there, obviously, because we're called to, to reflect him and to lead people towards him. I think it's really hard to take people where you haven't been. Um, I think it also has to start there because leadership is really tough. And if you want to do it for the long haul, I don't think there's a way of doing it long term unless you have that tenderness of relationship with him and he's able to keep you going and keep you fueled in a flame. On, on that, yep. um, yes, um, but we all go through phases where um, it doesn't feel sometimes great. It doesn't yep. feel like we love Jesus. Uh, what, what would you say to that? What about those times? Oh, gosh, that is a good question. What would you say? I would say that loving Jesus is more than a feeling. Mm. It's a decision to be obedient and to follow him and to keep going. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we show our love not by singing, here I am to worship, but by keeping going. And one of the things I've heard you say sometimes is, coming back to this question of what makes a Christian leader, is it's not about ability, it's about availability. Do you want mm. to say a bit about that? Yeah, uh, I, think, I think we put too much emphasis on gifting and ability. Um, and sometimes it's just choosing to be obedient. Um, I mean, in fact, you know, Jesus himself said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Mm. And that's how that's how we know we love him mm. uh, by being available to do what he says and 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 also linked with that isn't it um to hand over control of the church as much as we can to the holy spirit mm. which is easier said than done uh, so we can make all our plans and all our schemes but being open to him telling us do something I'm wanting you to do this that you wouldn't want to do and mm. you wouldn't normally want to do. Will you obey me without understanding? And that's where, isn't it the case that Christian leadership, that's one of the things that defines it as different from other areas of leadership where it's strategy, human strategy is important and human wisdom is important. But at the end of the day, if the Holy Spirit says, go here, and it mm. doesn't look strategic, and it doesn't look like a good move on a, mm. on a human level, mm. it's not political, mm. it's not this or that or the other, but the Spirit says do it, then we mm. do it. Yeah, and it's like God said to Abraham, uh, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, up this mountain and kill him. Mm. Yet the son through whom all the by-promises uh, are dependent, um, and Abraham didn't understand but he was obedient and the blessing and the fruit that came out the other end. Mm. And it, it, it's, it's choosing, you know, you're, you're the Lord of the church. I'm not the Lord of the church. You're the Lord of the church. And that's where as well, 
isn't it? That's where intimacy is found. So, you know, we start by talking about it's not about a feeling. Uh, well, it is about a feeling. It's about that sense of love for him. Mm. But it's not just about a feeling. It's about choosing to be obedient. But then actually in the obedience, you discover intimacy, don't you? So mm. Abraham, one of the things I love about him is that the way that God describes him in Isaiah is he says, Abraham, my friend. Mm. And it's what Jesus says, as you just quoted it, you're my friends if you do what I command is actually as we, as we journey with him in leadership and, and the priority for us is obedience to him, friendship with him, matures yeah. and grows. Yeah, and in Christian leadership, you can't take people where you haven't gone. Mm. And, you know, we can, we can do all the sermon series on prayer that we like, but if we're not prayers, our church won't be prayers. Mm. We can do all the, so people catch what we are more and there is a great place for teaching uh, but if we teach it and we don't live it nothing will happen it's when you live it they see it and then you teach it and you explain this is why this is how this is this is the way mm. um, that's how that's how things grow and it, it is like being in leadership it's like being mothers and fathers you know Paul says to the Corinthians you have 10,000 teachers but you don't have many fathers. And it's around teachers, people learn things, but around mothers and fathers, people grow up. And the aim is to, to grow folk into maturity. And that happens as much by example as it does by teaching. So another question then, you've been in leadership, rumors have it since the days of Noah. And I happen to think you're a pretty good leader. How do you continue to develop? I paid him. <laughs> How do you continue to develop in leadership? So obviously you start somewhere, but you want to continue to grow. And one of the things that I've noticed about you is that you are always looking to develop. Um, yeah, how do you do that? And why is that important? Well, not wanting to get all sloppy and sentimental and return the compliment. I've learned a lot of that from you, actually because you're always wanting to learn and teachable, and that's inspired me. So a few things. One, um, it, it's choosing to have a heart attitude that says, I want to keep growing. Mm. I want to learn. I want to develop. Um, and just they, say what you mean about choosing. So it's obviously it's an intentional decision rather than a... Yeah, yeah. I've seen too many, if I'm honest, sometimes younger leaders who they get to a point where they're satisfied mm. with, the, with what they're doing. And you make a suggestion to them, and the response is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you suddenly realize, you know what? You are no longer open to learning new things, to growing, to developing, to being challenged. We can't go any further. Yeah. Um, and it's choosing, uh, you know, it, it, the Bible says, humble yourselves mm. under God's almighty hand. And, and actually, humility is a choice more than it is a feeling. And it's, and it's constantly wanting to, you know, like, if I meet someone, um, I, I just met someone I was telling you about earlier, a, a retreat I was at. And there were things he was saying that fascinated me, mm. uh, another leader. So I made sure I caught him over a meal and I cornered him, and I squeezed everything out of him, and I was just asking, so tell me about that. And it was things that 
I wasn't strong on. So I thought, I can learn from him. Yeah. Um, like you, I love reading. So mm. I'll, I'll try and read as much as I can. There's and not as, loads of time. As part of this, also, one of the things that I've noticed is that we, we do it together. Mm. And so that conversation that you had, you came, the first, you know, one of the first things you did when you got back is you, you relayed the whole thing to me as much as you could remember. And then it inspired me. And then also, you know, you bought one of these guys' books and we've been reading it together and seeing different things and sparking off each other. And I think for both of us, that's been such a key way of growing, hasn't it? It's yeah. not just been me in isolation, I need to learn, but actually yeah. as friends on a journey together, championing each other, but also saying, have you seen this? Have you thought about yeah. this? Yeah. And, and giving each other permission yeah. to challenge one another as well. And that's one of the massive strengths of leadership being team leadership, yeah. being community leadership. Uh, the Bible doesn't know anything about, the New Testament doesn't know anything about uh, the, this, this one man leadership, you know, going ahead of everyone else. Um, the Clint Eastwood picture, um, it's always team. Uh, when Paul went on his missionary journeys, he always went with a team. When he planted churches, he always appointed elders, not an elder. He always had people. Jesus, you know, called together the 12 disciples, not the one disciple, mm. the 12. And there's something about that. And for us, we spark off each other and we encourage each other. And we also bear each other's burdens. Yeah. So it's such a, you know, I, when I learn stuff like that, I can't wait to, to share it with you so we can talk together and we can mull it over. And, and so often on your own, you can not see things straight. So the advantage of, of leading as a team with different gifts and different perspectives and different personalities is we can challenge each other. And the number of times you've said to me, uh, where on earth, did, how did you get there? What, what train of thought brought you well, there? Well, vice versa. And then, you know... Um, but if, so, if someone's watching this and they're leading, you know, because we're, we're, we have the benefit of being part of a larger team at the church where you know, we're in mm. it together full time. And there'll be people obviously watching this who are, they're the one employee at the church or, you know, what sort of stuff would you say to them if, if they're like, I'd love to lead in a team, but that's at the moment. Yeah, well, it, you could still find, even if you're the only person, pray that God shows you one or two others. Mm. They don't have to be working for the church. They don't, they don't absolutely have to be... In, it's about relationship, yeah. not status. <clears throat> yeah. And, um, you know, b before we ever led together, you know, even when you were my intern, you know, and you were 18... I remember we had we were having conversations there all the time on planes around the world in mm. uh, doing stuff. So how do you think you do this? What about that? How does that work? And it wasn't you know it wasn't the mentoree gleaning wisdom from the mentor. It was we talked about it together. And I remember there were things you'd ask and things you'd say that I think oh wow. Gosh, that set me thinking. Mm. I wouldn't have gone down there. That's a good direction to go. So, it, you, you know, you find friends. Mm. Find friends and don't try and do it all on your own because, because iron does sharpen iron mm. and you can, it's rich. And as part of development as well, just to take it onto another track, like one of our, 
One of our heroes of leadership is the founder of the Vineyard Movement, John Wimber. And not everyone would know his story, but one of the things that's always struck the two of us as we've looked at it is how frequently, even when he's 10, 20 years into his ministry, God spoke to him or challenged him and it caused him to radically change mm. his direction. And I've always wondered, you know, because there's that old saying of like, once you hit a certain age, you're too old to learn new tricks. Um, but also you can end up feeling like, no, I know what it is mm. to follow God now and I've kind of got it all. And um, but I, it almost strikes me as a unique ability he had to just suddenly reevaluate everything, but it doesn't have to be unique. How can... One question I've had for, for myself is how can I make sure I'm still open even if I feel like I've discovered so much of God to him showing me something radically, an aspect of his character that I've just never seen before? Yeah. I wonder if part of the answer to that is more and more I've come to the realisation that the worst thing that can happen to a leader, in fact, the, the thing that the if the devil wants to destroy a leader, what he does, his number one strategy, is to give that person non-stop success. Mm. Because when you get non-stop success, you start to believe in your infallibility. When you get non-stop success, um, you start to get arrogant, and you stop learning and asking questions. And what I've noticed is the people that God uses a lot that, that one of the things that Wimber said was never trust a leader without a limp. Mm. And that is just genius. And, and I've got a friend who um, was just everything he touched turned to gold for a lot of the time. And a good guy. I loved, always loved him. Great guy. But the one thing I, I noticed was there was a slight hard edge mm. And almost, not, not, it, not, it wasn't cocky, but almost too much self-assurance. And in the last year, year and a half, he's had one nightmare after another, one disappointment after another, one thing after another that's not gone right. And I saw him a little while ago, and he was so much more, I loved him more. Yeah. There was a softness, there was a tenderness, and I think there would have been a greater understanding of other people in their brokenness. So I, th I think one of the things that, that God uses to form us in our leadership is desert times. Mm. Is, 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 and you've is talked failure. about you know, your own time in the desert. Mm. And, I, and, and one of the things that's always struck me about your, as, a, as I've heard you share on it, is how when you were in the middle of it, you know, you often say you hated it, but that um, now you look back at that time as almost some of those precious years mm. you've ever had, even though it was horrific at the time. Mm. And, you know, you've talked about lessons from the desert mm. in Wasteland, your book, and the, the, the lesson that you say is the most important, you know, you draw it from Song of Songs, but about um, how it causes us to lean on him yeah. and lean into him, because suddenly all of our all of our self-assurance and our mm. confidence and our own gifting and abilities mm. is, is almost stripped from us mm. without us wanting to give that up. But it leads us to this place of needing him. Yeah, mate, I think that's, that's absolutely right. One more question.
question I've got. Uh, uh, someone once said, uh, choosing to be a leader is like choosing to be ugly. Mm. And it's inevitable in any form of leadership, whether it's in a church or anything else, is you, you, you're going to get criticised, you're going to have setbacks. How do you deal with setbacks, disappointments and criticism? And how hard have you found it? I have found it to be the hardest part of leadership, I think. And I, I'd heard that, because I've heard you quote that, choosing to be a leader is like choosing to be ugly. Before I was really involved in leadership and I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's hard. And then it's one of those things that I think it's only when you're in it and you suddenly are criticised or you suddenly do have a, you know, a big failure that the reality of it really mm. bites. Um, and you, would, you know, because I came to you pretty soon after, but one of the most devastating things for me in, in my early years of doing leadership was when some people that I'd encouraged and tried to invest in a bit and began to trust came to me and gave me a long list of all these things they thought were not very good about me. They said, you're proud and you're aloof and you're distant and you're not pastoral. And I, um, I was just absolutely devastated by it. And I mean, you say yeah, what you saw happen. Which was which first of all was so not true, um, but um, I saw you absolutely for a little while implode. It, it broke your heart and it was the betrayal. Mm. And I've known that as well. You know, sometimes when people you've invested in and you trust and it's like, oh my word, you weren't for me like I thought. You thought this and you've come and attacked me. Yeah. and. And then it's working through that. And for you, it took a while, well, always. I think it, it took me about three months to, I just lost all my confidence. Going through that also highlighted to me the power of words. And I just, I love what James says in his letter about words, where he talks about the power of the tongue to speak life and speak death. And he has this great little image of words as poison. And the reason I think that's so profound is if you put poison in your coffee and you drink it, physically you look exactly the same, but now you're walking around and something is destroying you from the inside. And it's so easy to have people send you an email or come up to you at the end of a meeting or something like that and they just, they just drop some poison into you. You don't look any different on the surface, but now something's playing in your head. And I think one of the things that I found really helpful with dealing with that is just having somebody to process it with. Yeah. And I noticed that with you, um, if I hadn't been around and others like Beth and others to, to speak truth to you, yeah. you'd have gone down a whole, a whole tunnel. And that's where I feel sorry. I'm not sure I would still be in leadership. Yeah. Well, exactly. And the thing is, I've met too many leaders who are on their own yeah. and something in them dies and they end up going through the motions, and they end up, it's just a job, and they lose the joy of it, yeah. and they lose the sense of adventure, and it's, and it's like, you know what, I'm, I'm here with the enemy, and, that, and I've got to protect my heart. And it took a little while for you to trust people again. Mm. And I know that, because the same thing's happened to me. I've been in the same place where People who I thought I invested in Hulk and Friends betrayed me. And it was like, is that what you think? Oh my goodness, you, you think that? And can I just ask you, because 
obviously, again, you've been doing it for years and you've received your fair share of criticism, setback, disappointments. But one of the things that I think you've maintained is a tenderness. Because I think it's so easy to become hardened mm. and to become bitter and to become resentful. And yet you have an openness and a tenderness to Jesus, but also a willingness to connect with people on a real heart level. How is there anything, is that intentional that you've done that? Or has that just happened? Yeah, I think, I think on, one, on one level it is intentional. On another level, to be really honest, it, it, at times it hasn't been easy. Mm. And I had to battle uh, bitterness and I had to battle the unfairness of it and how dare they and all of that and work through forgiveness um, and also to see the difference between you know forgiving so that it sets you free but not being but that doesn't necessarily mean trusting people who will not be trustworthy mm. um, and and so and there's there's sort of an element of um, it matures you in, in that you, you stop being naive. You know, what is it? Be, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, said Jesus. <coughs> and it's incredibly hard to be both. Yeah. And we can be wise as serpents and then cynical about everyone and their motives. Or we can be harmless as doves and be shocked that people aren't perfect and all wonderfully nice. And it's actually like Jesus. He knew what was in the heart of man. Mm. He knew what was in people's hearts. Uh, and yet he loved them. And one of the things, just to finish this, is but I love about doing this as a follower of Jesus is that he knows what it's like. Mm. You know, and he's been betrayed by somebody he poured his, his life into for three years. Mm. And then the rest of them didn't do a whole lot better, denying ever knowing him and abandoning him. And he understood what it was to be criticized, to be attacked. Yeah. And, he, and, and again, you ask the question for Jesus, how did he manage to keep going? And sometimes I wonder, I'm not sure how he did it, but obviously it must have been his relationship with his father yeah. that just yeah. was his source of strength. Yeah, and um, someone once said to me when I was you know, saying how hurt I was by something, uh, a friend of mine said, Mike, if Jesus had his Judas, what makes you think that you're exempt mm. and it was like revelation and it was like you know what this is par for the course I won't take it personally or I will keep speaking to myself don't take this personally this is people are people and one of the Wimber sayings was always remember your brother is never your enemy your enemy is your enemy your brother is always your brother mm. And he had this knack of, of never reacting. Of, and you know, he wouldn't he wouldn't um, um, defend himself. Um, he he when you know when they were thrown out of their church, they said he said we're not going unless you bless us mm. because that's important for you and it's important for us. And it's and it's understanding that and working on that. And also, just to finish, for one of the ways I've kept my heart soft is, is actually there's been some where I felt let down. But there's been loads who have been absolutely faithful and, faithful yeah. and fantastic. You know, not least, like our friendship, because, you know, we've, we've 
been friends for a long, long time now, and we, we love working together, we love serving together, and that makes up for it. I think where it's really tough is if you're let down and there's, there's nobody, mm. and that's what some leaders are in, and that's, and that's why I would always encourage leaders, find someone, find one or two people, and, and often, it needs to be not just your wife or husband mm. because they'll always be, you know, it's like, you know, because you can, you can end up feeling isolated as a couple because mm. you feel it so much. As a couple, find, <coughs> one or, find one or two others and do life with them. And that keeps you soft. Mm. 